Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Midwest Madness, your true crime, cult, conspiracy, and cryptid podcast. I am Emily. And I'm Danielle. Welcome back to another week. I sound like I'm sick, but it's my allergies. Yeah. So, if she's sniffling. Yeah, sorry. I'll do my very best. Sorry, but really not that sorry about it. Not much you can do, to be honest. No. Um, trying to think. Is there anything we need to chat about? My trip was dope. We already talked about that. Did we? Mm-hmm. It was fun. I'm still, I'm still on the high. I'm still on the Disney high. So. <laughs> been like three weeks. I know. It was fun. Because if you think about it, I haven't been to World since for like legit since like I was like 18. Because we did the one day, but like it's like a fever dream. <laughs> so. I'm still riding the high. Wow. Good I have you. to. Otherwise, I'll be sad that it's, like, a long time until I go again. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, I, wild game? That was fun. Oh, yeah. We're big hockey people, obviously. Wild. We're Minnesotans. We can't help it. Up 2-1 in their playoff series. Knocking on wood. And they play again tonight. Hopefully. Oh, yeah, that's right. They... Can keep it rolling. Right. Because we just have enough heartbreak in this state. Oh, God. Our sports teams just always make us so sad. Yeah, I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm cautiously optimistic is the uh, right saying. I, I'm there with you. You're cautiously would, optimistic. Yeah. Too. Yeah. If we keep playing like we played the other night, we're going to be okay. We'll see what happens. Um and your yeah. shirt made me think of it so you're wearing a nordy shirt yep he's real cute we love him um sure <laughs> i think he's cute anyway let's see. i was trying to think of true crime news but i don't think there really is any um you said that i would never guess what your story was yeah so i'm intrigued and i'm <laughs> ready and i've been thinking for like the whole time since you told me you're never gonna guess you should see the little please little smirk she no, has on her face. <laughs> it's not really a please look oh boy it's more of i broke the rules kind <gasps> of look and i don't know how people are gonna feel or react to it but i don't really care did you leave the midwest i did leave the midwest oh my god i know um are there midwest ties no not what <laughs> Emily. Okay. To be fair, I had this story idea in my head and I was like dead set. I was like, I know what's in the Midwest. I like was excited to do it and I've been wanting to do it for a really long time. And do you ever get those weeks where you just like, you need that, you need that, like to be able to sit down and write your story, you need something, you know, you're going to be excited and intrigued by. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was feeling this week. And so I like pull up the story and I'm like, fuck. It's not in the Midwest. So I must have been thinking of like a different one that's similar. And then I was like, I don't give a fuck. I was like, I'm so (laughs) dead set on doing this one. And I was like so excited to do it that I just was like, you know what? I'm going to break the rules this one time and I'm going to go outside of the Midwest. And and my thought was, this is our podcast. And that's true. That's true. We can do that. You know, we've had two plus years of straight midwest stories so 
if this is the first time I've broken the rules and gone outside the Midwest, then so be it. So in two plus years, I can go out of the Midwest. Sure. All right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, deal. I guess that's all I got to say. All right. About that. Um, so if you're going to be salty about it, we don't it care. But you're going to miss a really good story. Yeah. So. Skip past this one. And honestly, we don't want to fucking hear it. I don't think anyone's going to be mad. I would hope not. But I'm just saying, even if you are, we don't want to fucking hear it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this week I'm going to be telling the story of Cindy James. Um, you might know this story. The name does not sound familiar yet. But just because the name doesn't sound familiar doesn't mean the story is unfamiliar. You know? Yeah. I, I'm i sure. I feel like you maybe will have heard of it. I don't know how much you'll like know about it. but Okay. Okay. Um. Cindy James was a nurse who was located in Vancouver, British Columbia. So we're not only Close in not in the Midwest, but we're not even Close in the country. But I, I did write in my defense, people do say Minnesota is basically Canada. Yeah, <laughs> so they do all the time. Even though we're on the very far west coast of Canada. Who cares? Whatever. You know what? The Midwest touches Canada. It's fine. Counts. It's at least it's not Mexico. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um Anyway, in 1982, Cindy began receiving strange phone calls from a person she didn't know. At the time, I'm sure Cindy had no ideas that these phone calls were going to lead to six and a half years of misery. Um, Cindy was born on June 12, 1944 in British Columbia. Her father's name was Otto and her mother's name was Tilly. I think those are cute names, Otto and Tilly. We know someone whose child's named Tilly. Right. It's cute, but yeah. Um, and Cindy was one of six children. Uh, she had a very lovely upbringing, and after high school, she decided to enroll in nursing school. Um, while she was in nursing school, she met her husband, Roy Makepeace, who was a physician, um, and he was quite a bit older than Cindy. Not that that really matters, but it was like I think he was like 20 years older than her. That's a lot. Yeah, but age is just a number. We're not going to judge. After Cindy graduated in 1966, that is when the two got married, um, Cindy began working at a treatment center for children and with emotional and behavioral issues, and she seemed to be living a happy and fulfilled life. I'm pretty sure her husband was like a psychiatrist. Okay. Um... Eventually, though, after almost 15 years of marriage, Roy and Cindy split in July of 1982, and that's when Cindy's life became somewhat of a nightmare. On October 7th, 1982, Cindy received her first strange phone call. Most of the calls she received consisted of someone on the other side of the line whispering her name or just like silence. Ew, I hate that. Yeah. Um, One time, Cindy had closed all her blinds only to receive a phone call telling her that there was no hiding because they knew she was in her living room. What? Cindy could tell that the voice on the other side of the phone, well, she thought it was male. Um, we'll kind of get into that again like later, but okay. she thought it was male, but that's about it. Um, unfortunately for Cindy, though, it didn't just stay with phone calls. Cindy was also having someone throw rocks through her windows, smashing her porch lights, and someone broke into her house and slashed her pillow. She also received a letter with pieced together cut out 
like letters that read stop soon cindy end quote um and someone cut her telephone line so it's literally just like psychological warfare basically pretty much yeah gross cindy obviously was reporting all these incidents to the canadian mounted police racking up more than 100 reports over the six-year period Cindy did end up getting into a relationship with one of the officers named Pat McBride, and he moved in with her temporarily in November 1982 after she began receiving more and more threatening notes. And I'm sure for her it was like a huge relief to have someone like him. Especially a cop, yeah, right? In yeah. the home. Um, but, okay, uh, let's see. Shortly after moving in, Pat came home and reported coming across Cindy's ex-husband, Roy, in the alley behind Cindy's home with two guns. Roy told Pat that he was patrolling the area for Cindy's safety. Pat only lived with Cindy for about a month, um, and after he moved out, the harassment became a lot worse and a lot scarier. On January 27th, 1983, Cindy James was attacked for the first time at her home. Cindy's friend, Agnes Woodcock, went over to her house to visit and found Cindy in her garage. She had been attacked with a sharp object and had a black nylon stocking tied tightly around her neck. Oh my god. When police arrived, she told them that there had been a knock at her back door, and when she opened it, there was a man who forced her into the garage where he attacked her. Um, I did read somewhere that this attack had two attackers. Okay. But... I'm not 100% sure. A lot of people seem to believe there's two people at this attack. Okay. Not, again, not quite sure. Um, for some reason, police asked Cindy to take a polygraph about the attack, though, and she failed the polygraph not only once but twice. No shit, she's stressed as fuck. At this point, Cindy admitted that she had recognized her attacker but refused to identify him because he had threatened to go after her family next. Um... The threatening phone calls and notes continued to happen in October of 1983. Um, I should do a little trigger warning here. We're going to get into some animal stuff. Okay, I'm going to cover his ears. (laughs) Cindy found three dead cats hanging from her trees in her yard. One had a note tied tied to it that read, quote, you're next, end quote. Um... Now, at this point, the harassment had been going on for over a year, and Cindy finally decided that it was time to do something, since the police hadn't really been able to help. So she hired a private investigator named Ozzy Cabin. Ozzy gave Cindy a two-way radio so that they could be in constant communication. And on January 30th, 1984, when Ozzy heard an odd commotion over that radio, he knew he had done the run the right thing he raced over to cindy's house only to find her unconscious on the floor with a black nylon stocking tied around her neck and a note stabbed through the back of her hand with a paring knife Ooh. that read now you must die c-u-n-t end quote um Ooh, yikes when ozzy was able to talk to cindy she told him that she remembered a man coming through her gate and the next thing she knew she was getting hit in the head side of the head with a hard object She also remembered being held down and a needle going into her arm. Now, unfortunately, at this point, police have started to become suspicious of Cindy and her story. There was no sign of forced entry into the home and no needle marks on her arm. And another polygraph test 
was conducted in this time results came back inconclusive yes okay when you're stabbed with a needle like when you get a shot how long does that mark last well think about when you draw blood it does i don't feel like it lasts that long it definitely lasts more than a day i suppose but i'm i'm thinking like if they were like injecting her with something it'd be like a shot no it'd be in your vein it would be in your arm yeah but it wouldn't be like they're leaving the needle in there for a long time be like in and out you're still gonna have a you know like track marks like i suppose yeah there's gonna be a mark i'm just trying like i just don't want to doubt her because it, it you know i don't want to say oh yeah i believe that she's faking this because she like failed the polygraph and now there's like a lack of evidence but like so i'm just trying to be more fair to her because why would you make this shit up well let's just keep going yeah i guess i don't want to say anything without knowing like you know i don't want to get myself in trouble so they brought cindy's ex-husband in for questioning when she admitted to them that he had been violent many times during their marriage but nothing ever came of this the next menacing thing to happen was on june 18th when cindy's dog had almost been strangled with a string. Don't listen, serious. And a threatening sexual note was found inside of her home. Thankfully, her dog did survive. Oh, good. On June 23rd, another dead cat was found strangled with a string, but this time it was found inside her home on the staircase leading to her basement. Gross. On July 23rd, Cindy was physically attacked while she was out on her evening walk with her dog. This time, she was found with needle marks on her arm and, again, a black nylon stocking tied around her neck. So, that's why I said maybe just wait because the next time, like, she, right. they were able to see the needle marks. Okay. So, I don't know why you would see it one time and not see it another. This is why we need a nurse. We need to call in a nurse and say, excuse me, why would this happen? Because <laughs> neither of us are experts. Yeah. So, um, at this point, uh, police decided to tap Cindy's phones and monitor her home in shifts, but they stopped after months passed with no further incidents. Well, yeah, because they're outside her house. At this point in the investigation, they had spent about $1 million, and they were Whoa. no closer to finding any answers on who was doing this and why. And a million dollars in the 80s is a lot more than a million dollars now. Yeah. And that's still a lot of money. The next physical attack happened on December 11th, 1985, when Cindy woke up in a ditch nearly six miles from her home at the University of British Columbia, with again a black nylon stocking tied around her neck, needle marks in her arm, and cuts and bruises on her face and legs. At this point, Cindy's friend Agnes and her husband Tom... Um, had decided to start staying with Cindy in hopes that this would stop the attacks. In April of 1986, Cindy had moved to a new home. One night, she came running into Tom and Agnes's bedroom, stating that she had heard a noise, um, and Tom said that he had also heard something. So he, he ran downstairs to investigate, only to find that Cindy's basement was in flames. Oh, great. Tom told police that he had seen a man standing outside on the street, and when he tried to approach him, the man ran away. But police actually believe that Cindy had set the fire herself, that they said that someone would have had to set the fire inside of the home and then climbed out of a window, um, and there was no dust disturbed on the windowsills and no fingerprints were left. 
So, like, the only way the person would have been able to go out would have been the window, the yeah. way they set the fire. What so. if they just, like, threw something on fire into the room from the window? Mm-hmm. Did it, you just I don't know. It just says that it had to have been set inside the house. Okay. And they, I'm, again, I'm just... I know. You're trying to play devil's advocate. I am. Um, okay. Now, it's no surprise that the past years had taken a toll on Cindy, and she was admitted into a psychiatric facility. She spent 10 weeks there, and at that time, two different psychiatrists determined that she had been the one staging her own attacks. I don't know why they said this, and there was no, like, there was no further explanation on it, but that's great. That's just super helpful. what I had. But all of this had definitely, obviously, taken a toll on Cindy. After she was released from the facility, that's when she decided to change her last name from Makepeace to James. Um, James wasn't her maiden name either. And again, she moved into a new home. She started seeing a therapist and her mental health seemed to be greatly improving. For nearly a year, no more attacks were reported. No phone calls were made and no letters were sent. But that wouldn't last In October of 1988, Cindy was found unconscious in her car, naked from the waist down. She had been hogtied, and again, a black nylon stocking was tied around her neck. She told police that she believed her ex-husband, Roy, had been behind the attacks, but he denied any involvement and was actually out of the country at um, some of the times the attacks took place. Okay. So. So that's a fairly decent alibi for him yeah but now i'm surprised you didn't say anything because when i said hog she was hogtied yeah that's you know what that means yeah it's like with your arms and your legs tied together behind your back behind your back yeah Yeah. so and you can't do that to yourself so yeah there you go so yeah i i don't it just felt too elaborate to be her well we still don't know that's true this brings us to May 25th, 1989. On this day, she had despo- deposited her paycheck from her new nursing job into her bank account, went and purchased a gift for a friend's son, went to the beauty salon, and bought groceries. But when Agnes showed up at Cindy's home that night for a planned card game, she wasn't there. Um, and she had vanished. Her car was found in a shopping mall parking lot with blood on the driver's side door, and things from her lo- wallet were found underneath the car. The groceries and the wrap gr- gift were still in the back seat. Two weeks later, on June 8, 1989, Cindy was found by a city employee named Don Venish in the yard of an abandoned home. He stated, quote, her face was completely black. I think it had been punched in. A cord was wrapped around her neck, her ankle, and her wrists, end quote. So essentially, she was tied with her... How basically hogtied again um and she was dead no so essentially um okay so now uh here's where things become interesting because police actually ruled cindy's death a suicide what sorry she had a lethal dose dose of morphine in her system but police argued that it would have taken at least 15 minutes to take effect and a knot specialist had determined that it would have taken cindy only three minutes to tie the ropes and get herself into the position that she had been found the medical examiner ruled the death a quote unknown event end quote so not suicide not a homicide 
I'm like legit mad right now. Police never even investigated her death as anything but a suicide. And this has left a lot of questions around everything. No shit. But there are also some things to point to this not being a suicide. Um, first was Cindy was found without any shoes on the bottom of her f- and the bottom of her feet were clean. So and she was kind of found in like a dirty area. So yeah. how could she have walked? Um, second, she was injected with morphine, but there were no needles found at the crime scene. And third, even though, yes, it would have taken 15 minutes for the morphine to kill Cindy and only three for her to tie herself up and get into position. It was stated that there was no way in hell she would have been able to do with that amount of morphine in her system. Police believe she had staged every attack and every harassing phone call and letter. But why is my main question and honestly how well why for me the big why for me can i give you my big why no because i'm okay. gonna ask you at the end okay okay fine the internet is pretty divided on this case with some people thinking she had a severe mental illness and did all this to herself eventually ending with dying by suicide um a lot of people believe that she didn't mean to actually kill herself but she accidentally did um others believe there's no way in hell that cindy could have done all this to herself so the real question I want to know is what do you believe? Um, before you give me your thoughts, yeah, but yes. um, her ex-husband, the psychiatrist, yeah, he believed that she might have had split personality disorder. I was honestly wondering. Um, so she did like she just legit didn't know she was doing a right. thing to herself, right? But again, that was never proven that was never diagnosed that was never anything so take that with a huge grain of salt well and you would think if that were the case the two psychiatrists that were at the mental health facility or whatever that she was at would have caught on to that well and maybe they did but i don't know if, i don't know how those how those kind of things work especially right. in like another country right because like here we have hipaa right you can't just go around and be like yeah she what well, we diagnosed her with multiple personality disorder right um or split personality i don't know honestly what the right correct term is but i've only heard multiple multiple. i've heard split have you i haven't um so take that with a a huge grain of salt here there okay so there are there are things that just don't make me think it was her consciously or unconsciously the fact that she's a nurse she would know how much morphine to take right like i think she just thought maybe someone was gonna like i'm just playing devil's advocate yeah yeah. for this like theory for it being being that she did it her didn't do it herself or whatever or like she wanted to maybe didn't want to actually die but wanted to whatever maybe she thought someone was gonna find her in time but i don't know how risky little bit of time i don't know how populated and busy the place she was found was it was abandoned home so i don't know like if it was in a rural area or what but that that was just me playing devil's advocate yeah the fact that she like wasn't trying to get anybody in trouble is is what's giving me so much pause because what's the point right like what's the point of doing this to yourself there isn't like there isn't a point so unless the only reason I would see somebody doing this to themselves is to be like, oh, my ex-husband Jim is doing it and he, you know, 
is trying to kill me or he's whatever xyz to like get him in trouble or get something from him you know and mm-hmm. i'm not i don't remember what her ex-husband's Rory. name was i just picked a name um so i that that's one one of the things that's making me think like why would she do this right like what what's the end goal here is it really just attention right and are you gonna put yourself through that much like someone stabbed through her hand right i don't know about you but like i don't like being hurt so like the last thing i'm gonna do is stab through my own hand this is gonna hurt like a bitch and you might lose some of the dexterity in your hand and then if you're a nurse you use your hands a lot so like there goes part of your job right she was a, more of a psychiatric but nurse, still you but use your hands a lot working with people yeah so i don't know i just it doesn't it pisses me off that they just wrote her off and we're like oh whatever she's it she's making it up that makes me crazy to be fair they did sit outside her house for months yeah and spent one million dollars on an investigation yeah so we can't say they didn't do anything right right i just mean at the end like just saying oh well problem over i guess she did it herself yeah that just seems i want to i don't want to say reckless but like almost reckless to just be like whatever she did it so that bothers me and and you are right I'll give them credit. They did do their best. But on the other hand, like if somebody killed her, that then what you're just going to be like, it's fine. She was annoying and crazy. You know, so that bothers me a lot. I, I don't know. I don't want to say I a hundred percent don't, don't think it was a suicide or, an accidental suicide but i don't want to 100 percent say that she was murdered because i just don't know i feel like we need we needed more information we needed more of an investigation done after the fact maybe with fresh eyes i do like that the coroner did not call it suicide so that if they do want to reopen the case at any point they can i don't think they will but they could What's your gut say? Uh, I mean, I agree. I definitely agree with you that um, the a lot of this, like a lot of the stuff, I don't know how or why you would do it to yourself. And I, the thing is, why is the main thing for me. Um, but my biggest thing here is that. Police investigated, and she had a private investigator, right. and nobody found anything. Ever. That's a good point. That nobody's that for sneaky. six years. Yeah, nobody's that sneaky. That's like my big thing is like, how would someone be able to evade, like to not even have an inkling or right. like be seen once or right. anything? Um, is a big one for me. Um, remember how I talked about the phone calls? Yeah. And how she thought it was male. So there is a, I believe it was a voicemail that was left on Roy's voicemail. Okay. From this person, um, that you can listen to. I couldn't find it online. Um, well, like there, you could find a YouTube video, but you had to sign in to listen to it. And I didn't want to sign in, so I didn't. 
Um, and a lot of people argue that the voice is female. Interesting. So they are they arguing that it was her whispering on his to be like, look, there's proof, there's proof. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what was said on the the voicemail or the recording, but most people will say it is female. Okay. Um. So they're like, did she do? Was she? Were there ever any call? Even calls? Period. Like they don't really know. Besides this one that Roy has. Roy has. Um. Another theory. This is a theory. I don't think it's true and it's not your theory it's no. other people's um they think agnes and her husband tom were the ones oh interesting but again why i don't know um but they said because the first of the attack some people said there was two people there right she you know and then um the f- female voice on the phone yeah um the fact that when they moved in. Her house was set on fire, and they were like, "Well, see, boy, like, well, they could be really sick and like wanted to see the who they're doing up close or whatever." I don't believe that. That's right. just a theory that's been put out there online. But that's the thing with cases like this is like there is going to be, and a lot of people do think it was Roy. I mean, I think he's definitely a very convenient suspect. Because they were like, well, he was a psychiatrist. He would know how to, like, yeah, literally mentally almost drive someone Nuts all insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so, I then, don't know. For me, it's like, why would you do this to yourself? But at the same time, I can understand where you could have questions. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, I'd never heard of that one. You've never heard that story? No, I haven't. Wow, I'm surprised. No, I have. Yeah huh so obviously her family believes that she was murdered um i really hope to god (laughs) this is gonna sound bad but i almost hope it wasn't just because someone you have someone that sick just like walking wandering around around, right right to literally torture someone for six years is that's dedication dedication. (laughs) yeah yeah so i don't know yikes that was the story of cindy james I'm pretty sure there is another similar... St- I swear to God, there's something similar to this in the Midwest. I just... Maybe couldn't, I'm crazy. I don't know. figure it out, maybe? Yeah. I'll have to try to do some more research and see if I can... F- that was the problem, too. Like, I didn't know this per name. Oh. So I was, but I knew the story, so I was trying to, like... Google, Google like, keywords, and I was like, um, stalking, suicide in the Midwest, and, like... This is what came up, and yeah. obviously it's not in the Midwest, but whatever. So, here we go. Um, if you guys want to share your thoughts on this one, I'm sure we would love to hear it. Yeah, because I think we're both kind of like 50-50, right? Yeah. It, like, we could see how it could be either way, but like, neither way really makes sense. Mm-mm. So, it's a lot of questions. Yeah. Um. My sources were reddit.com. I just went on there to look to see what other people were thinking. And there's so much on there. You could Oh, I bet. You could literally read for hours. I bet. Newspapers.com. Um it was It was a newspaper that clipping 
like it was the actual newspaper yeah. you know how you yeah. read those sometimes um all into that's interesting.com and unsolved.com our socials are mw madness podcast um and uh at gmail.com and that's our instagram uh without the gmail obviously um and then we have midwest madness podcast facebook group and we try and post stuff on tuesdays we don't always <laughs> we do our best well the last time i'm like holy fuck it's like i forget it's tuesday right <laughs> yeah that's part of the issue um do you want me to start texting you no it's okay because okay, i get an email now when it posts i so. think i've been pretty good the past i always weeks. forget about the facebook group i post to the mm-hmm. instagram and then i don't post to the facebook see and for me i usually post to the facebook group and i don't care because we have more followers on facebook than that's we do true. on instagram that's true so i usually just like make sure my facebook stuff is posted okay well we'll just have to both get better yeah <laughs> all right guys well we hope you have a great rest of your week um and we will talk to you guys next tuesday bye